Warning, this show may contain adult content, language, and humor and is intended for mature audiences. If that's not you, please stop listening now. Nothing you hear on Sex and Science Hour is intended as medical advice, financial advice, legal advice, therapy, or really anything other than entertainment. Please take everything you hear with a grain of salt. Oh, and if you're hearing us on an affiliate network, the ideas and views expressed on this show are not necessarily those of the network you're listening on or of any sponsors or affiliate products you might hear about on the show. Now that all that's out of the way, let's start the show. This is Sex and Science Hour with Brian Sovereign and Dr. Stephanie Murphy. Get your freak on. Get your freak on indeed. It's time for Sex and Science Hour. You know, Brian, I heard about, um, I heard a smear piece against a CEO of a, a company that's widely considered to be like a feminist company that was just alleging the CEO was was a horrible CEO and she like sexually harassed her employees and and she was like impossible to work for. But she was famous for saying in interviews and stuff and on social medias that their staff was so close that they let their freak flag fly at work. Whoa, what company? Uh, or I mean, maybe you can't tell me now, but no, it was Thinks the the uh, period underwear, the ones oh, that absorb your oh, oh, menstrual oh. blood. Well, that's good. They so, let their freak flag fly. Hey, yeah, there's a lawsuit against that CEO. Wow. I, yeah, which I read about this week. I don't know. I'm not saying I'm. It's all alleged at this point. I sure. don't know what the truth is, but um, this piece that I was reading was alleging that she said that they let their freak flag fly at Thinks. So if you do, I mean, regardless of what else she may have done, we salute you because we like to let our freak flag fly here all at work time. at Sex and Science Hour too. <laughs> all right, Brian, <laughs> you ready for you ready for some work? You ready to do a show? Yeah, let's do it. I'm yeah, ready to because we got a Power Rangers movie to see, so we got to move on pretty quickly. But uh, <laughs> we have a great article to start off the show. This comes to us from uh, our friend Cognitive Dissident, who's always talking about issues of robots and AI. Ah. And uh, now, did you know, Brian, there's an algorithm that can help judges uh, determine what the flight risk of a suspect is for a crime? So tell that me, the judges don't even have to set their own bail now. They can ask uh, the computer. Yeah, tell me more, because the word algorithm is a very nebulous term. Yeah, usually it has a negative connotation in our... In well, our, in I our, mean, for uh, us. For yeah. us, right, because we're <laughs> kind of skeptical of algorithms, because, yeah. you know, they're not... They're not a human being. They're they missing miss the human touch. Subtleties. They're missing the human touch. Yeah. And we like the human touch. So the, anyway, this is from the MIT Technology Review uh, by Torn Simonite. When should a criminal defendant be required to await trial in jail rather than at home? Software could significantly improve judges' ability to make the call, reducing crime or the number of people stuck waiting in jail. Now, somehow I doubt it's going to either do either one of those things. What do you mean? I'm skeptical that it's going to reduce crime or the number of people sitting in jail. But oh, yeah. You know, no, we'll no, right. it, let's read about it. In a new study from the National Bureau of Economic Research, economists and computer scientists trained an algorithm to predict whether defendants were a flight risk from their rap sheet and court records using data from hundreds of thousands of cases in New York City. 
When tested on over 100,000 more cases that it hasn't seen before, the algorithm proved better at predicting what defendants will do after release than judges were. John Kleinberg, a computer science professor at Cornell involved in the research, said one goal of the project was to show policymakers the potential benefits to society. There's another dirty phrase, benefits to society. (laughs) like algorithm, of using machine learning in the criminal justice system. This shows how machine learning can help even in contexts where there's considerable human expertise being brought to bear, says Kleinberg, who worked on the project with researchers from Stanford, Harvard, and the University of Chicago. There's a little appeal to authority as well. (laughs) They estimate that for New York City, their algorithm's advice could cut crime by defendants awaiting trial by as much as 25 percent without changing the numbers of people waiting in jail. Alternatively, it could be used to reduce the jail population awaiting trial by more than 40 percent while leaving the crime rate by defendants unchanged. Repeating the experiment on data from 40 large urban counties around the U.S. yielded similar results. As a bonus, gains like these were possible while simultaneously shifting the jail population to include a smaller proportion of African-Americans and Hispanics. Oh, of course. So it's getting rid of racism, too. So uh, all this is sounding great so far, right, Brian? What could possibly go wrong? Um, (laughs) Kleinberg suggests that the algorithm could be deployed to help judges without major disruption to the way they currently work in the form of a warning system that flags decisions highly likely to be wrong. Analysis of judges' performance suggested that they have a tendency to occasionally release people who are very likely to fail to show up in court or to commit crime while awaiting trial. An algorithm could catch many of these cases, says Kleinberg. Yeah. So So why have judges at all? Right. uh, Well, right. Well, I mean, that's kind of like half the real the real answer to a lot of this. I mean, was there more to read? I mean, there's a little bit more, but it's let's talk about it. Well, so here's the thing. It's really not that an algorithm can do it better. It's just that the algorithm doesn't run into the problems of like incentivization. It just does it. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. You can't be bribed or extorted. Right. Well, that and I mean, human beings, like what incentive do they have to do this kind of like bullshit work? You know, it's, it's terrible. It's a pain in the ass. Maybe empathy gets involved with the human being to where they're like, oh, let this guy relax a bit. I don't know. You know, whatever comes up or racism Um, or racism. Yeah, I don't trust this person. Right. Or yeah, exactly. Or racism can enter. You know, there's a bunch of different factors. Personal biases can enter into it. But I mean, I don't know. Like right now we have this weird mix mixed system where. Judges decide a lot, but they're also governed by these like mandatory minimum sentences where even if the judge doesn't agree with it, they have to sentence somebody if they're found guilty to like at least five years in prison for drug violations of certain kinds, you know? Sure. Sure. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I like to think that most people and and I I think there's some degree of this getting borne out with 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 well. I guess not most, maybe it's with some people, I don't know. But I think most people, when they work a government job, I think they, I think honestly, deep down, they feel a little dirty. Like they, they know, <laughs> and if they don't feel dirty, they break the rules regularly because usually what the government they puts are in dirty. place is, is terrible or yeah, or well, whatever. Well, I mean, I don't, I don't claim to know what they're feeling or if they're corrupt or not. There certainly is corruption among judges. No doubt about absolutely. it. Not every judge is corrupt, but there are some that are. Um, so you could say an algorithm would be more fair and also, you know, an algorithm would be less likely to be personally biased or to be coerced into sure. making certain decisions. All that sounds great. I'm just I'm trying to put my finger on 
the problems with this because the article doesn't really list any. And it smacks an awful lot of like, well, we should just use Ethereum to govern society, right? Mm-hmm. Who is making this algorithm, right? And what are they basing it on? The the rules or the laws of a government? That that seems pretty arbitrary, right? They're not basing it on like objective laws of science or anything like that. Sure. I mean, this is effectively putting, uh, you know, a Band-Aid on a wound from a Claymore. I mean, that's that's really what's what's, what's going on. What's a Claymore? Uh, well, that could go both ways. It could be a Claymore mine, which is a little mine that you place that's a modern weapon that will shoot out a bunch of ball bearings from it, uh, from an explosion, you know, mm-hmm. it's designed to wipe out a lot of people uh, at once. Or it could be a Claymore sword from Scotland that is a giant, you know, one of these really massive swords that is generally, you know, if it's going to cut you, it's going to, you're going to have a pretty deep gash. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so my point being is that it's a Band-Aid on some on something that's needs a lot more work, you know, might even need to be amputated, which I would say the injustice system certainly needs to be. Right. And uh, like they say this, they say, yeah, it, never mind for a minute that a lot of people are being, um, you know, put in jail awaiting trial on victimless crimes, yes. like drug charges and stuff like that. Right. And to make that more efficient. OK, you know, it's hard to get excited about that. Right. That right. the, the operations of the injustice system are going to be so-called more efficient. Yeah, I guess I'm all for like, you know, removing biases and stuff like that. But I'm afraid that the people who make the software would have a lot of power. The judges probably wouldn't like it. They probably, you know, they probably think it was taking away their autonomy, just like the mandatory minimums. Yeah. And, and it's important to understand this, too. I mean, algorithms, you can say, I mean, we can say that, oh, well, look at what's happening here. It's being more fair. It's being more efficient or something like this. That doesn't mean that the algorithm is just like this. Uh, I don't know, like a, a, a amoral, you know, technology or something, mm-hmm. because it's being programmed by human beings, you know, right. and, and, and these... then the programmers have all the power instead of the judges. Right. Well, right. And there's all kinds of flaws of this. In fact, one of my best examples I like to bring up, I bring it up on, on my show, Sovereign Tech, often is there was an event actually last year called uh, ID 2020. OK, and this was all about using like algorithms, blockchains, all these different technologies, OK, to create new identity systems right on the front page and a major part of the event was you know saying why we needed these identity systems was because we've got to put an end to sex work oh straight up well, now you know there are lots of countries around the world that uh, that want their sex workers to all register with the government and they just laugh and they don't do it <laughs> sure well right right but but my point being is that but who, you can't escape a blockchain right no no, no well no, no. But, but the the point is is that who says sex works bad Right. Like who made that fucking decision? Right. Yeah. And now the blockchain's enforcing this moral notion. Right. Right. But but exactly. And so the technology is not amoral if it's specifically designed to work against sex workers. And so that's part of the problem here is that this is going to be a cold, unquestioning algorithm. Okay. That is being programmed with certain things in mind. And maybe a lot of it's victimless crimes or who the fuck knows what, Mm -hmm. you know, all the, you know, it's, it's taking, it's this algorithm taking on a bunch of human baggage. So I still think it's inefficient. And like I said, it's a bandaid on a gigantic wound that a bandaid can't possibly help. It's still bleeding. Yeah. You know? Uh, So yeah. And all this is, all this is at a population level. And yeah, maybe it looks great and more efficient and better on a population level. But if you're an individual who gets steamrolled by this system, you're not going to, it's not going to matter to you. It's still going to hurt you so yeah i don't know i'm like very skeptical of this yeah i mean if i were a quote-unquote criminal i'd like to be able to fall through the cracks thank you very much (laughs) okay (laughs) you never know we're all criminals yeah all right here on sex and science hour yes we are all criminals when everything becomes illegal
And uh, you talk about that a lot on your show, right, Brian? Yeah, I mean, my show, Sovereign Tech, is all about making better criminals. Uh, you know, <laughs> like how, how to break the law. Victimless how to, criminals. How, how to, yes, how to yeah. circumvent regulations and everything, like using VPNs. And, and how to take control of your privacy by encrypting your stuff. Yeah, I you mean, don't want nosy busybodies reading your stuff, even no, if you're just talking about your grocery list. Yeah, I mean, none of their business. Right. Uh, you know, when, when uh, you know, widespread netting of collection of your data uh, is, is, is you the know, norm. Is the norm of the day, is the legal thing of the day. Guess what? We're all criminals if we want to keep it for ourselves and that's why you want to listen to sovereign Tech. at sovereigntech.com this is sex and science hour we're back <laughs> brian your sleep schedule is making you sick it says I, the new york is. times yeah <laughs> do you feel like that's true just based on the headline do you uh, think your sleep schedule can make you sick yeah it, well uh, you know i'll just i'll put this out there for, right out of the gate like I actually so here's here's a weird thing about me. I have an exceptionally low body temperature. Like average body temperature. It's ninety four. Wait a minute. Are you actually human? Wait. Just pulling my chain here. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> Uh, but I put your I, human suit back on. <laughs> sorry, it's scales get it. Freak people out. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> anyway, I have a body temperature of ninety four point six. Okay, and I've had people tell me that like that that actually because I don't get sick often, and you can attest to this. You know, we've known each other for years now. Yep. Um, the only time that well, anyway, the, the body temperature thing is supposedly like my body doesn't really have a make a great um, ecosystem for you know various bacteria and whatever else. I don't know. Uh, anyway, that, that's a whole other story. So the only time I ever get sick is if like I go two, three nights only getting four to five hours of sleep, I get sick. Like it's yeah. just, it's pretty much a guarantee. Uh, yeah. Me too. Especially traveling. Right. I mean, it almost doesn't matter like what, I feel like it almost doesn't matter what kind of germs I'm exposed to. Sure. It's how much sleep I get. It's like how strong my defenses are. Yeah. Because your sleep regenerates that right right yeah. yeah you can almost fight I, like for some people they can almost fight off anything as long as they have strong nutrition and strong sleep yeah and they're fine but it's it's a, you could be exposed to ebola and aids and you're fine <laughs> well <laughs> maybe not ebola and aids okay but any like, somebody's been watching dave Chappelle. Any common virus right you know yeah. like common colds and stuff like that yeah which are yeah. ubiquitous they're all over the place yeah exactly as long as i get at least six hours a night i am fine like and, and i could you know go on forever so the you know title does not shock me go ahead you know it's bad have you ever had the experience where you made out with somebody or you hooked up with somebody and afterwards yes. oh, you no, got sorry. sick not oh. like an std i'm not talking about that i'm talking about like a cold you got a cold or a sore throat because that's happened to me and that's one reason i know i don't have good chemistry i'm like no we're we're not compatible. <laughs> We're yeah. making each other sick. And, you know, sometimes when you make out or hook up with somebody, you're out all night, too. So you have a night of bad sleep combined to being with being exposed to new germs. Yeah. And so, yeah, that's, that's just a bad sign for me. But I've also had the experience where I, you know, had been with someone for the first time and didn't get sick at all. It felt great. And that was a good sign. <laughs> Hell, if anything, it's healing. Right. Yeah. It's probiotics, right? Yeah. So anyway, um, <laughs> Your sleep schedule is making you sick from the New York Times. This is by uh, Richard A. Friedman. Jet lag makes everyone miserable. And yes, on that, we can all agree. But it makes some people mentally ill. There's a psych psychiatric hospital not far from Heathrow Airport that is known for treating bipolar and schizophrenic travelers, some of whom are occasionally found wandering aimlessly through the terminals. A study from the 1980s of 186 of those patients found that those who traveled from the West had a higher incidence of mania, 
while those who traveled from the East had a higher incidence of depression. I saw the same thing in one of my patients, and this guy's a psychiatrist, I guess. Uh, I saw the same thing in one of my patients who suffered from manic depression. When he got depressed after a vacation to Europe, he assumed that it was just disappointment about returning to work. But he ha- then he had a fun trip out west and returned home in what's called a hypomanic state. He was expansive, a fount of creative ideas. It was clear that his changes in mood were not caused by the vacation blues, but by something else. The problem, <laughs> no, that was he the w- problem because he went west. He went to <laughs> California, and then he got manic. <laughs> <laughs> the problem turned out to be a disruption in his circadian rhythm. He didn't need drugs. He needed the right doses of sleep and sunlight at the right time. And now this is kind of a a lengthy article, mm-hmm. but it goes on to talk about how there are actually sort of some little known studies that show that you can treat depression and bipolar by exposing people to light and um, melatonin at, this, at the right times of day. Yeah, anecdotally, I, I can really believe this. Um, you know, I spent quite a few years of my life living in Florida. Uh, most of my life, though, was I lived in New York. Mm-hmm. And I I know there's very different amounts of south, sunlight, but I just I feel like the bulk of the people say that I worked with down in Florida as compared to the people I worked with within a very similar working condition that I ended up working with, you know, in New York, like a lot of bipolar people in New York. Yeah. Uh, you know, I that that's and this isn't getting into an argument. Does bipolar exist? You know, I, I know some people want to go down. No, that but road, I mean, but. I think that, that that certain people are not suited for northern climates because it can be a real stress to your to your brain and your circadian rhythm. Sure. Absolutely. Um, There's a lot of people who get seasonal affective disorder. A lot of them choose not to live in the north. Like we live in New Hampshire, right, right. in New England and in the U.S. And so we there are times in the nadir of winter where we only get eight hours of sunlight a day. Yep. Does that sound about right? Like the sun goes down at like 4 p.m. And even when the sun's out, you're not getting, you're not getting vitamin D. Like, I mean, you're just not. Right. It's not strong enough for you to make vitamin D because of the angle of the sunlight, something to do with that. So, um, yeah, there's times of the year where you just don't get much light. And Alaska, of course, is even worse. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of problems with alcoholism, both in Alaska and in, in New Hampshire. Sure. Right. Um, you know, rural areas with not much to do combined with depression from this lack of sunlight can create some bad situations in the winter for some people. Now, um, you know, some people are resilient to that, though. Some people are not really affected by it. For example, I don't really feel like I'm affected much by the lack of sunlight. Um, I've known people who had seasonal affective disorder. I've lived with them and they, it's like a completely different person in the winter. Sure. Well, I mean, you're a vampire, so like that, you know, yeah, just makes sense. Yeah, I don't really but... need much sunlight, I guess. <laughs> but I will tell, I will say like, I get really grumpy if I see a bright lights at night. Like that gives me a headache. It makes me mad and grumpy. Mm-hmm. And I'm not normally a grumpy person. You can attest to that, right, Brian? Yes, Usually absolutely. very sweet, not you're, grumpy you're, at all. You're nice all day long. It's amazing. <laughs> I mean, you're, and I'm Thank dead you. serious. You are a treasure to live with. But anyway. Aww, you're a treasure. <laughs> Thanks. Um, <laughs> but anyway, yeah, I mean, it's a real thing that uh, the light affects your mood. And yeah. so maybe we ought to look into the light as a natural, you know, uh, alternative to, to things like drugs for depression. Now, you know, I only say this because a lot of people criticize psychiatric drugs for depression because they're... A lot of them are not very different from placebo in mm-hmm. terms of the testing and the response rate. The negative studies that show that, that there's not much difference between a new drug and, and placebo for psychiatric condition, don't tend to get published. Only the positive findings get published. So it kind of skews what people think of the drugs and how effective they are. There's lots of side effects. They can be difficult to get off. They can be expensive. Um, there's lots of problems with them. Yeah. And 
you know, it seems like everybody criticizes doctors and psychiatrists and family practice doctors because they seem like they're so quick to prescribe an antidepressant if you just say, go in and say you're feeling sad. Yeah, they run to the pills very fast. Right. Um, and, you know, there's all kinds of incentives for that in in the medical system, of course. And so you can't really blame individual doctors for kind of going there. But, um, you know, if if you are depressed, like, you know, maybe this is something you want to look into. Light therapy. For example, you can sure. get these light boards that will shine in your eyes and not directly in your eyes, but you're supposed to sort of shine it in your face when you first wake up. Um, th- there's a thing that talks about in this article, um, sort of like shifting your your sleep, like waking yourself up some like 30 minutes earlier every morning, shining light in your face with a light light therapy box. Okay. And, and then, you know, sort of going to sleep earlier that night before. And using melatonin to kind of recover from jet lag as well. So, you know, we're not making any specific prescriptions or anything at all. But read this article if you're interested, if you think you are suffering from depression and you want to look into how light and sleep relate to that. Yeah, I I mean, certainly, you know, and and I know what a lot of people prescribe, and this is just my own personal opinion. Well, it's not just opinion. I mean, there's it's been done in tests and shown uh like sleep trackers i imagine some people might want to like jump on that board mm. to see about you know how well they're sleeping and all yeah, this those stuff. can be funny they I can be like very funny puts you out of touch with your body the, there are good sleep trackers out there and most of them you do not wear on your wrist uh in fact all of them you do not wear on your wrist uh any wrist any you know wrist device that claims to be a sleep tracker is usually very inefficient and it can't really tell if you're you know dancing at the discotheque or if you know you're uh, you know, sawing logs just in the middle of the night. So, <laughs> uh, you know, just be careful, you know, when, when you're going with that stuff. Be uh, careful out there. Yeah. Yeah. And not, just one more interesting thing from this article. It said five to 10 percent of adults um, don't start making me- melatonin, which is the sleep hormone that comes from your brain until later every night. And our natural circadian pattern, if we don't have light and dark cues from the environment, is like not exactly 24 hours. It's more like 25 hours or something like that. It's like a Martian day, 25 hours. Yeah. And, um, Ooh, that gets into a fun theory. Anyway, keep going. And and I guess there are some people who just are naturally night owl, owls because they don't start producing melatonin until later than most other people. Mm-hmm. And so that is like a real thing. It's not just that there's something wrong with you or, you know, you're being whatever you don't want to get up in the morning and you want to party all night that is like a real natural phenomenon and so i mean you could treat it as such you could use melatonin to fall asleep you could um expose yourself to light therapy in the morning like we just talked about um so anyway yeah it's it's kind of a lengthy article but it's worth reading if you're interested in this stuff so we'll put it in the link in our show notes and those will be on sexandsciencehour.com yeah i mean i I think there are kind of natural night owls and and things like this Uh, are you you one me? Yeah. Uh, I think so. Like I can actually, after, honestly, after my unfortunate stint in the military, oh. uh, like I, I can get up anytime, anywhere, you know, kind of, kind of ready to go. And that I don't say it as a boast. I wish yeah. it were true. Um, but yeah, I think I'm kind of a night owl, but I mean, you know, we know that in, you in know, modern like in the, society, well, it's... in the 27th century, like eventually pe- some people will evolve into the Eloy and the other people will evolve into the Morlocks, you know. And, I don't and know so, what you're talking about. Oh, sorry. That's the, the time machine, H.G. Wells. Oh, and, got it. Okay. So, <laughs> so the Night Owls will become the Morlocks <laughs> and the Eloy will be, will be the day people. I don't, anyway, sorry. Continue. Whatever. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 
Anyway, um, here's what your subconscious mind wants you to know based on the way you are self-sabotaging your life. Wow, that's a dire turn from depression to self-sabotage. Yeah, I mean, it's a little bit, uh, you know, a little dark, but we're trying not to take a dark turn. We're trying to learn about ourselves and better our lives. So I thought I'd bring this one in, too. Uh, This is from Thought Catalog by Brianna West. The way you are, and, and it's just a list, it's a listicle of different ways that people sabotage themselves. Okay. Uh, their success. And then what that means uh, is really going on for you. And the thing is, like, knowing how you sab- tend to sabotage yourself, because we all kind of do that sometimes. Yeah. Knowing how you, being able to identify that when it's happening and, like, what's going on for you is part of self-awareness. And it, the greater your self-awareness, the greater you can kind of take control of your life and be in the driver's seat mm. and have a better life and make your life better. And you can change some of these behaviors if you're aware of them. Yeah, absolutely. And that's actually the first step to changing them is becoming aware of them. So there you go. So here we go. The ways you're self-sabotaging yourself and what they mean. Going back to the same person who hurt you. Ugh. What your subconscious mind wants you to know. Evaluate your childhood relationships. If you find something comforting or appealing about somebody who hurts you, there's usually a good reason for that. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's that some of these are going to land for some people and some of them are not. But I mean, that yeah, that's a that's a really good thing. I, anytime you're unhappy or hurt, like childhood is a great place to start because there's so much in childhood that has roots. And yeah. And that's it. You got to get at the roots for this sort of stuff. Like yeah, strike I mean, the root. And it, it's OK to think way back and not just think, well, what could have happened last week that caused this now? It's like, well, no, what could have happened in the last century that could have you know caused this now you know let's let's really peel it back anyway all right attracting people who are too broken to commit to you in a meaningful way what your subconscious mind wants you to know you are not too broken to find someone who actually wants you so people might go after people who can't commit and are too messed up to have their own issues to to commit because they're scared that they're actually uh, unlovable that they're unworthy yeah unworthy that's interesting okay so the, like because yeah i mean i think there's kind of this this stereotype out there that that people think of where you know they they like to bring in strays or they like to bring in the you know the puppy dog yeah, and, and those terms upper. are yeah the fixer upper those are you know uh, analogies um or metaphors whatever um and yeah, to think that what that's really about isn't that that person so strong and that they really want to help somebody, but that maybe yeah, they have beliefs about themselves. Yeah, that they're like not the worthy of that... somebody who has their stuff together, right? Yeah, that's very very interesting. Mm-hmm. That's definitely something to think about. Okay. Yeah, pause this podcast if you want to meditate on any of these things because some of them are going to be really meaningful for some people. Uh, there's like two that were very meaningful for me. <laughs> sure. Uh, here we go. Next one. Being un. Here's this is a big one. Being unhappy even when nothing is wrong. Ooh. What your subconscious mind wants you to know. You expect on you keep expecting outside things to make you feel good rather than relying on changing how you think and what you focus on. So if you are if you keep being unhappy even when there's nothing wrong um, and you're wondering why, maybe it's because you're relying on external things to make you happy rather than realizing that happiness is an inside job and it comes from within. Well, I mean, this is something so many people and and it does. I mean, society stands so much against you in realizing this uh, because, you know, everything is about sell, sell, sell to you, you know, and you need to buy, buy, buy. And, you know, happiness is something that you buy. I, I don't you know, people hear this all the time. I'm not saying anything like revolutionary, mm-hmm. uh, but 
they don't seem to internalize it often enough that really happiness only can come. Yeah. It comes from the inside. It's something intrinsic, but most people don't even know what their intrinsic motivations are. They spent so much of their life being altruistic, thinking of others, whatever, you know, it happens to be. Oh, completely. I I think a variation of that one is the wanderlust syndrome. Uh Like, Oh, if I just move to this city, I'll be happy then. And then they get there and then they get bored in a few months. Oh, I need to move to this city and then I'll be happy. But actually you can be happy anywhere. Home is where you make it. Yeah, I have an old saying, you know, freedom is in the heart. Um, yeah. And, and and it's absolutely true, you know. And right. Yep. Anyway. Continue. All right. Well, yeah, we're short on time, so I just want to get to some more of these. Pushing people away. You want people to love and accept you so much that the stress of it all also makes you isolate yourself from the pain, effectively creating the reality you're trying to avoid. So if you push people away, it might be because you're you're trying to reject them first before they, they can reject you mm-hmm. and hurt you. Yeah. Um, eating poorly, even when you don't want to be, this is a big one for a lot of people. Uh, what, what that means, you are doing too much or not giving yourself enough rest and nourishment. You are being too extreme. And yeah, I think that's, that's so, uh, profound. So many times when people overeat, it's because they're not paying attention to their own needs. They're saying yes to other people at the expense of themselves. Sure. And they're trying to like comfort that feeling with food. Yeah, I mean, food can, I mean, I guess you could say anything could be a drug, a drug, depending how abstract oh, yeah. you want to go. yeah, food is a great drug. But it's food is a hell of a drug. Yeah, yeah, I mean, and and it's something you want to, you know, be mindful of. It's also uh, a tricky one because you have to eat. You just... Yeah, right. That's that's the hard part, right? Is that who would tell you, oh, no, don't eat. Right. You know, like, you I mean. You can't quit it cold turkey. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, breatharianism isn't a thing. It's bullshit. <laughs> so, yeah. Um overworking. This is a big one for me. You do not have to prove your value. You do, however, have to stop running from the discomfort of being alone with your feelings. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Uh, I, I tend to overwork when I'm feeling sad and I don't want to feel that feeling and it's a, as a distraction. And also the proving your value thing, I get that too. You know, so many people just constantly work because they believe that they're not really valuable unless they're working or making a lot of money or their value is determined by how much money they're earning. Yeah. I mean, this can be a double-edged sword because I think you can kind of go the other way. I mean, I think, you know, human nature's nature is Mm -hmm. a state of play. Uh, But, you know, like in, in where we live, how, how we live today, how we, you know, exist, how we make ends meet and all this, I think you can go too far the other direction where it's not overwork, but maybe even like over, I don't know, some kind of overstimulation of some kind. Um, but that's, yeah, just not like disconnecting from the internet ever. Yeah. Well, right. (laughs) Always being connected. A lot of people talk about that, that, you know, why is everybody staring at their smartphones? Cause they don't want to think that eventually they're going to die. Oh, fuck yeah. You know, (laughs) absolutely. Yeah. It's an existential crisis of a mass scale. Right. I mean, and that's the thing too, is like, that's really not like a pleasurable act. I mean, fuck it. It's not, you know? Yeah. Well, that, this might tie into the next one, caring too much what other people think. Oh, What that means, you are not as happy as you think you are. The happier you are with something, the less you need other people to be. Yeah. So you're relying on other people for your sense of contentedness. Worth. Yeah. Sense of worth. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Other people's approval can be a really subjective and fickle thing. So (laughs) you're setting yourself up for disappointment. You want to talk about getting away from self-sabotage and actually like freeing yourself. Mm -hmm. Once you stop worrying what other people think. Oh, man. I mean, that's that's a freedom too few people yeah i know you don't have that problem because you just expect people to not like you in the first place (laughs) i have that problem sometimes kind of that is true but (laughs) you know but but still i mean yeah Yeah. i i think 
you really don't know until like you just really just let it go because honestly what other people do and mm-hmm. what they think is none of your business yeah it, it's, it's true just and not. you don't own your reputation people can think whatever they want about you yeah right? and it's not under your control ultimately sure um I mean, you can control whether you're an asshole or not, oh, <laughs> but absolutely. you can't control down to the thought, every thought. People yeah, have but I mean, the factors of why a person may or may not like you or, or maybe not even like you, just treat you well, like are so varying. And many of them, like it was, it's absolutely impossible for you to control. Like mm-hmm. there's just no way because it might have to do with your relation to somebody else or something like this. I mean, there's just no way you can, you know, you can really know these things. So like, why even try you know, <laughs> right. to control you just that let aspect? It go. Yeah, forget it. Speaking of let it go, spending too much money, what that means, things will not make you feel more secure. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's a big thing. I hoard stuff. I'm a pack rat. I I have one (laughs) last battery left over from a pack. I save it until after it's expired. I'm the exact opposite. (laughs) I don't want to throw things (laughs) away. Yeah. (laughs) And I think there is a sense of security linked to stuff and owning stuff, at least for me anyway. I mean, to some degree, you know some empathy on that is like if there's a familiarity you know like oh that well that fuck that battery has been there for years it's like right, okay it's that's my friend yeah <laughs> i can't exactly. get rid of fred <laughs> <laughs> yeah so you know it can be understandable but also understand that yeah i mean you know like you see these shows like orders and everything yeah. obviously something like that could go too far um go ahead speaking of getting stuck to things dwelling on past relationships or continually checking up on your exes uh, oh do you know some people who stalk their exes on facebook i mean it's good to be friends but sometimes the foundation of a past relationship think, never had friendship in the first place so don't oh yeah bother. totally don't bother being friends <laughs> yeah you don't have to be friends certainly yeah and it won't happen if if both people aren't interested anyway yeah exactly but but what this means if you dwell on past relationships or constantly check your exes on social media this relationship affected you more than you were letting yourself acknowledge. Mm. The ending hurt you more than you believed, and you need to process it. Yeah, I was just going to say yeah, that word. You a need lot to more process. to process. Yep. Absolutely. I agree. Um, let's see. Not promoting, this is an interesting one, not promoting your work in a way that would help you move forward. What that means, you're not putting your all into what you're doing each day. Create things that you are proud to share. Yeah, I mean, this is a tough one to follow up on, right? You know, like, I mean, because not everybody has that opportunity, you know, certainly. Yeah, I mean, but I've definitely had the situation where I was doing podcasts and stuff and then, like, not promoting them. <laughs> oh, yeah. But it, but it was because, like, I was scared of what people would think of them. Or sure. I was scared that it kind of conflicted with, like, my day job or whatever. It wasn't appropriate, you know, that I would get judged, of course. Oh, sure. That's sure, what I've was had going those on for me. Too. Yeah. I mean, it can also mean if you're not, like, sort of, it can also mean you're sort of not sure if you actually want to be doing this, you know, if you don't want to, like, put yourself out publicly as, hey, I'm doing this, you know. Yeah, if your heart's not in it, I mean. It can mean your heart's not in it, yeah. Sure. Um, ascribing intent or worrying that things are about you when they aren't Uh. that's so common everyone's like they see a vague book status and they're like oh my god she's talking about me isn't she and no she's probably not (laughs) or he's probably not or they folks this is why horoscopes have been popular for thousands of years okay and they're bullshit and well what this means you think about yourself too often it's not about you yeah (laughs) yep it's (laughs) not about you it's not about you sometimes it's all about the other person sometimes it's about you but most of the time it's not more coming up sex and science hour you're only paranoid if you're wrong (laughs) (laughs) hey so speaking of promoting your work did you know that I make lots of audiobooks and I like to promote my audiobooks because um, I get feedback like this. Somebody said my meditation book, You're All You Need, 
True Happiness Through the Power of Meditation, was so relaxing and helpful that they listened to it every day and they told their friends all about it. And I said, thank you so much, because I knew that would be kind of a meaningful project to do. So if you're interested in that, you can search my name, Stephanie Murphy, on audible.com, and you'll find it. You're all you need, the power of uh, finding true happiness through the power of meditation. Also, if you're looking for a book about passive income, check out the Passive Income book by Steve Pavlina, narrated by me, Stephanie Murphy. That's something a lot of people are interested in. How do you create passive income streams? Well, I might be getting passive income from that book. Thank you. This is Sex and Science Hour. That was a masterful little read right It there. was pretty good. Yeah. I, I, that was off the top of my head. Yeah, that was good. Uh, you, admittedly, we just kind of vamped through those little one-minute pauses. Yep. We have a t- The way we do Sex and Science Hour, this is a little bit of talking shop, but I promise we'll get into the sex in just a minute here to hold your horses um <laughs> i'm trying i know hold your horses brian not your oh not your pecker <laughs> how crass <laughs> I, I am offended milady <laughs> what was that we we were on another podcast and we created this like infomercial based on like a joke that came out during the podcast I don't of remember. that would play during a porno where it was like you have one hand on your dick right now, don't you? Well, remember, when you have one hand on your dick, the other hand should at all times be keeping a firm grip on reality. <laughs> remember, porn is not real sex. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, so what was I just about shopping, to say? We're ta- talking shop, not shopping. Oh, talk. talking shop, we're yeah. Talking shop. So I was going to say, we have this template for Sex and Science Hour, and we just play it through, which has all the music beds and bumpers and stuff. And we so we can hear those in our headphones, so we know like when the break is coming up, and then we can sort of you know we we can sort of roughly know there's like a one minute pause where we talk about our stuff that we want to promote. Um, but you know it's pretty off the cuff, so I think it's pretty good, and yeah. that's a good way to run our show from a technical perspective because we don't have to like you know stop and start. We just roll and we just we don't edit. We just throw it up on the internet and come what may you have it down to a science dr murphy that's right well it is sex and science hour that's so right. i should have it down to a science god damn it um i used to always think that saying was seance you got it down to a seance <laughs> that's hilarious <laughs> and then i learned it was a science and i was like well, okay, well that's a lot better but <laughs> okay that's gonna be the title of the show down to a seance got it down to a seance <laughs> <laughs> so brian um this should not probably shock and surprise a lot of people but who do you think demographically in terms of gender, sexuality, Men. and no. sexual orientation? No. <laughs> Listen to me. Sorry. Who do you think demographically, what group has the fewest orgasms? Would it be straight men, straight women, gay men, gay women, bisexual men, women, non-binary individuals of all those orientations as well? Uh, which are usually not included in studies. They usually only it include cisgender heterosexual or homosexual people just to make it simple but life is not that simple yeah i am going to say heterosexual women Mm -hmm. um even though i don't exactly think those exist but (laughs) (laughs) right they're like unicorns they're so rare (laughs) yep it's true ding 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 you got it straight straight women have the fewest orgasms now i'll say bbc (laughs) i'll say why quickly why i think and uh well it's because there's not a lot of great sex education out there. Yes. And I think women on women, you know, lesbians, I think that they they have very little problem, you know, having orgasms because they understand their own bodies so mm-hmm. well. And so they can understand the other person's. Um, yeah, it's tough when you have a partner of a different physiology than your own. It's maybe not as intuitive, but then combined with the 
lack of, lack of education, education yeah. you're in for a world of hurt. <laughs> Potentially real hurt. Yeah. And also the, the sexual repression that goes along that women aren't oh. raised to feel entitled to orgasms like men are sometimes. Yeah. Um, so there's like a perfect storm of factors. But we have data on that. And not only do we have data, we have a way to combat it according to science. So you're going to want to listen to this. Woo. Straight women have the fewest orgasms from BBC.com Health. Heterosexual women have fewer orgasms than men or lesbian or bisexual women, a study suggests. The findings came from a study of 52,000 people in the U.S. exploring the orgasm gap between the genders and different sexual orientations. Um, let's see. The report revealed that a variety of behaviors, there, there are a variety of behaviors couples can try to increase orgasm frequency. And that's what the next article is about. It's called the Golden Trio or something like Ooh. that. <laughs> um, I know what that is. The The study by Indiana University showed that the proportion of people who usually orgasm during sex was 65% of heterosexual women say they usually orgasm, um, 66% of bisexual women, 86% of lesbian women. So there's almost a 20-point gap between straight women, women who are having sex with men, or women who are having sex with another woman. Nah. There's almost a 20% more likelihood that you will come. I mean, if that's not reason enough to get with a woman, then I, I don't know hey, what is. I support that wholeheartedly uh, <laughs> as a guy. Like, <laughs> right? 88% of bisexual men, 89% of gay men, 95% of heterosexual men usually orgasm. The research team said the findings, however, indicate that this orgasm gap can be reduced. The fact that lesbian women orgasm more often than heterosexual women indicates that heterosexual women could, ex uh, many heterosexual women could be experiencing higher rates of orgasm. Few heterosexual women climax through penetrative sex alone, the report said. The study showed that of particular importance was incorporating oral sex along with other activities during a sexual encounter. So, guys eat her pussy it's that yeah. simple and i don't know why you wouldn't want to in fact i think there was just a, a study that came out recently that said um you know that those those fine juices uh you know <laughs> yeah probiotics they <laughs> yeah, keep, they're I very mean, healthy it, like it can keep you from getting cancer it's like well right. shit i'm gonna eat all the pussy I, you know, <laughs> well or, don't get too excited because there was a study that said like with men who eat a lot of pussy are at greater risk for throat cancer because of hpv Oh, but I mean, they just well, be selective. Don't have HPV, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> um, now, the only reason you wouldn't want to do this is if she doesn't want you to, I suppose. Right. Yeah. Right. Or yeah, if your partner which... doesn't want you to not even calling her she because she might not identify as a she or be a she. But sure. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, yeah. I mean, I think, you know, kind of the key thing here that this is really saying is that, you know, what like. <sighs> What is sex? I think too many people, and we say this over and over again, but really it's true. Too many people think of sex as penis and vagina, you know, PIV. And yes, you, they do. Got to understand. I mean, sex doesn't even have to have an orgasm. Like that's that's another part of this that this article is not mentioning. Mm -hmm. Like you really don't have to orgasm to have what I would absolutely consider to be a sensual sexual, uh, you know. <laughs> saying How counter you, or yeah <laughs> I, would, I agree with you i think orgasm is often involved but it doesn't have to be it's not right. required but how would you define what constitutes a sexual encounter uh i i think um erogenous zones right mm -hmm. i think so like, touching your erogenous zones yeah i think when those come into play like i i think that's that's where it gets defined as sex. Can it be completely in your brain? Like, you know, there's some people can just think and have an orgasm. Oh, of course. They can think oh, masturbation off. is absolutely 
you know, whatever. I'm not even talking about masturbation. I'm talking about like a wet dream or like a, someone yeah. who can think, have an orgasm just by thinking about it with no touching. Sure. So and yeah, whatever form of self-love, you know, something like that. I mean, so yeah, it's, it's another one of those terms that can be kind of nebulous, but regardless, the best thing that can happen, for, I think for humanity as a whole, not that I'm in some kind of crusade or want to prescribe for the entirety of the race, but is to get rid of this notion that sex is PIV, that sex is, you know, penis. And oh, vagina. yeah. There's so much more to it. Than yeah. That. Or that it's penis in in, in anything, in, in anything <laughs> or, you know, vagina on vagina. Like, I mean, like, you know, just understand that, you know, I mean, there's so much involved. You know, I, I think the erogenous zones have to be involved in some form or fashion, even if it's just like a mental kind of uh, uh, channeling. I think the intent for it to be sexual has got to be there. Sure. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So, you because know, but... if you, yeah, I mean, not to get dark here, but if somebody's touching an erogenous zone, like, it, you know, it doesn't always have to be fun, right? Like someone could touch your ear and you could say, ew, creepy guy, what are you doing? Don't well, just touch my ear. Yeah, you exactly. Know? Well, I mean, this... But your partner could touch your ear and you could say, ooh, that feels really good. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, I mean, not to... Exactly. I mean, same here. You know, I don't mean for it to get dark, but like, uh, you know, what constitutes rape? A whole lot of things outside of PIV. Oh, yeah. So I would dare say that the, that it's antithesis, yeah. the pleasurable and the consensual version, that being sex, right. would also include a lot more than that. Right. Um, so not that I want to base what pleasure is off of, you know, a terrible thing or the you know the most terrible thing. No, but if you would expand the definition of consensual sex yeah. beyond what some people think of it as, you could you would also have to expand the definition of non-consensual sex. Well, that could only help in my opinion yeah. because that could keep you from getting you know that, that could right. not it blaming could protect a you from from it can protect unwanted you. Yeah. You got to be careful how you say that because it's not blaming the victim, but just right. saying like you can be it can help you be more aware of uh, when a situation is going um south in a bad way. Mm. Uh so yeah, uh, I think that's the real solution is just to, you know, how do, how do you how do women end up getting more orgasms? Just stop thinking of sex as PIV. Stop thinking about it being your fucking dick. OK, <laughs> like, like that's. Yeah, that's a problem. A lot look, of I, yeah, guys have. I'm not saying centered I'm a, on their dick. Yeah. Right. I'm not saying I'm any kind of great lover, but I'm just saying that for whatever I'm capable of, my entire key to what I do is the simple fact that when I am in bed, I am not thinking or the dick is not the centerpiece yes. of, of what's going on. Well, that's so important. So that's very important for me, too. I really yeah. appreciate that. Sure. So there, there's your <laughs> the other day. You and I had a sexual encounter that didn't involve any PIV, oh, but it was very man. sexy at Holy the same shit. time. We were going to take pictures. Those. Was... <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> but we didn't. So don't get any ideas. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, oh, hell. That was. OK. Sorry. I don't think they want to hear about that. Uh, yeah. Actually, no. they probably do. But just a little. Ta- <laughs> they got a little taste. That's all they're getting right now. Um, so anyway, other behaviors that were linked to increases in orgasms among everybody. Now, for heterosexual men, they were already at nearly 100% orgasm rate, so nothing really else mattered. Mm-hmm. But for everybody else who was below, well below 100% likelihood of orgasm, um, there were some behaviors that li- were linked to greater orgasmic uh, probability. And those were people asking for what they wanted in bed. So communication about yep, it, below what you like. That is so important. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And, 
yeah well, I mean, i'll just read the well, list well quick i mean and don't think that communicating and asking a question is going to like ruin the mood or anything yeah i was just the, thinking that okay yeah let's yeah, talk about it sure what's going to ruin the mood is when you do something she or he or whatever doesn't really like mm-hmm. you know that's going to kill not just the mood that's going to i mean that's just going to put an end to the whole thing you know record scratch yep it's over so yeah by all means ask the awkward questions because in my opinion it's far safer to do that and than to do a, something somebody doesn't like there's a way to ask it so it's not awkward you just say like you say, does that feel good do yeah you like, do you like that tell me what you like show me what you like yeah start every how do you sentence, like to be touched right you know? start every sentence with hey baby no i'm kidding don't do that <laughs> <laughs> you don't do that no You're a i hypocrite. don't <laughs> <laughs> i'm totally kidding please continue but it can be fun to talk about what you like Oh, sure. And it doesn't have to sound like bossy either if you ask someone for do it. If you just say like harder, faster or slower, slow down, be gentle. Yeah. I mean, if you a little more. Yeah. You know, like there's all kinds of ways to say instructions without sounding like, I don't know, like you're calling out like you're a drill sergeant or something. (laughs) Well, I'll tell you. So so here's something like a bit of advice uh, and the worst advice is advice, certainly. But, you know, on your second time say getting it on with somebody play doctor you know like like do the whole role play play doctor because then you it is all about and it's part of the excitement of what's going on is asking questions oh how does that feel you know blah 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 and and most people i think kind of have either that nurse or doctor kind of fantasy or something like this and it's okay and if you really you know i mean if you're stooping the person then i i assume you know you feel comfortable enough to do that with them so that's second time around that's my recommendation is play doctor and that way you can you can really you know, break a lot of that ice. I like that idea. Sure. That's great. Um, so on the converse side of asking for what you want in bed, uh, praising your partner for something they did. So it's basically like giving them feedback, right? Mm-hmm. Ew, that was good. Um, calling or emailing to tease about doing something sexual. So like building tension by flirting, you know, with yep. text or phone. Uh, wearing sexy lingerie, trying new sexual positions, Anal stimulation, Brian's favorite. Yeah, right. (laughs) And I'm being sarcastic when I say that because (laughs) Brian will just not let me go anywhere near his butt. And I respect that. I really do. Yeah, it sounds like it. I I do. I'm (laughs) saying I do. And I haven't tried anything. Nope. You never have. No, I would never Never do that. I respect your preferences. Someday, who knows? Anyway. (laughs) Yeah, right. I don't believe you. Um, Talking about or acting out sexual fantasies is another one. So, for example, you could pretend that you're an alien abducting a female for your mating program. Oh. I mean, you talk like you've done that a ton of times. I'm a little confused here. You sounded like, I mean, that was absolute experience talking right there. That was... And the last one is engaging in sexy talk and expressions of love during sex. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, that's the best. You know, this is a funny thing. So a lot of people say that women are more auditory, or I, I've seen a lot of like works, written works on sex that that say that women are more auditory. I don't buy it. Like, I, I think it's I think it's fifty fifty. I think both are pretty. Like, I love hearing dirty talk. I know women love hearing dirty talk. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's one more that likes. It well, than it's the sort other. of like a stereotype that oh, men are more visual than women, yeah. right? And I don't think it necessarily has to be that way. I am very auditory, but that's what I do for my job. So. Damn right. You know, I better be. But um, <laughs> yeah, it can be really fun to talk dirty. Sure. So what was the golden trio? Because we're short on time. I know what it is. What is it? Uh, genital simulation. Mm-hmm. 
Oral. Oral sex. And probably kissing. Kissing. Yep. Yeah. That, okay. You got ah. it. That's the golden trio. So if you want to boost an orgasm, that's what to do. Do those three. And if you want to hear our after show, stick around. The Bermuda Triangle. <laughs> You've just heard Sex and Science Hour. No, get lost. Many planes have crashed down Play again next week. Stay, stay for Magnetic feelings like spinning around. The compass is... Devil's vagina magic. Completely fucked up. (laughs) My compass is off. I'm just... Lost. Never wishing to be found. Yeah. You know, we never muted the mics, so we might as well just keep on talking. (laughs) (laughs) This is Sex and Science Hour. It's our after show. Welcome back. We never really left in the first place. Um, I wanted to do this article, but we ran out of time, so we'll do it real quick here in the after show. We got an email from I'm a Listener, and I just couldn't fucking believe this. There's a high school that is randomly assigning prom dates to the students. They're not letting students ask people to the prom. They're randomly assigning prom dates. Where is and Kevin it, Bacon when you need him? <laughs> Why Kevin Bacon? And get Kenny Loggins on the line. Footloose. The oh, movie, the movie Footloose, Footloose, right. Yeah. All right. Continue. Yeah, this is like a school in Chicago. Oh, figures. Ann Quinn High School in Freeport, Illinois, has, has boys draw names, and then each boy has to think of a creative skit to ask their date to the dance. Because Rahm Emanuel wasn't treated very well as a child. I get, I don't know. I don't know what this is. School officials said it's a good way to make sure everyone feels included. It's all about inclusion, isn't it? That, you know, like, uh, th- there's so much wrong with that. Okay. Despite, you know, well, okay. So this is, you know, a hundred years ago, this would have been totally, and I mean, not even help. Fuck 60 years ago. This would have been totally commonplace. I think. Uh, you know, for people to, to do this sort of thing, because at that time, I mean, even in marriage, you know, love had jack shit to do with marriage. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, it's often convenient. They're just learning or the political. courtship rituals, right? Right. Um, it, it, but the the worst part of this is like, you know, look, I, I never, you know, I didn't do the prom thing. I didn't want to. I had no interest in it whatsoever. Like, and this just kind of kind of like normalizes and and it just kind of pushes that whole thing on you when maybe you realize, hey, you know, this whole school thing's bullshit and all that. And it's just it's just putting oh, it's so wrong, you know, <laughs> culture just getting put. Yeah, the, 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 there you go. Yeah. I mean, even the prom itself. Well, that's what I mean. Yeah. I I, I mean, that's like even even prom, I think, is every year some kid like, you know, a girl wants to wear a tux or a boy wants to wear a dress and they get shit on by the principal and get in trouble. Yeah. For being queer, you know. Right. I mean, it's (laughs) like that's been happening since I was in high school. Yeah, it's it's like that day in prison where I guess you kind of you know you get to go outside for a little bit or whatever you know. I mean, <laughs> supervised because that, release. Yeah, because that's that's what it, I mean. That's really the the analog. It's like, oh, thank you, we get to actually dance for once. Oh, isn't that so nice? You know, the girls in my high school were more excited about getting their nails and hair done and getting a dress and spending a bunch of money on a limo uh, than they were about like having sex. I he, mean, like a lot of. I, I don't know. There wasn't. There didn't seem like there was that much sex having at my prom. It, it wasn't like American Pie, you know, <laughs> where all the kids are at a house party and there's convenient bedrooms littered throughout the house and nobody's supervised. And I'm sure Stifler's mom is getting drunk in the basement. So back through time to have one lucky lady of the night of her life. <laughs> Jesus. Anyway, um, so my prom was boring, but suck me, beautiful. <laughs> Sorry, you can cut that out. 
<laughs> I won't because we don't edit. We just go fly by the seat of our pants. That's the worst line from that movie. Okay. Yeah, but yet you felt the need to repeat it. <laughs> go figure. Well, we have a Power Rangers movie to catch. Yes, let's go. So, <laughs> so we got to wrap up quick. Drama. But what, what did people buy through stuff.sexandsciencehour.com? Well, uh, they bought a lot of stuff and Amazon changed their reporting. So I'm going to do the best I can with reading this. But um, one of the things that uh, we have here is the Lasco Max Performance pivoting utility fan and it's like it's you know a fan that you would put in a room 92 dollars with free shipping and somebody bought three of them all right so thank you very much um, i'm a big fan me too you gotta be cool anyway ameriflame medium duty portable welding cutting brazing outfit with plastic carrying stand Holy and this shit. is like two tanks of gas with like some flamethrowers on the end jesus christ this is serious i don't know what you people are doing must be some welding that must be our corporate sponsor I one would of say. them yeah, yeah we have two yeah the henny penny 160 oh the henny zero. penny <laughs> it's not as exciting as it sounds no it's no a, not henny it's penny a is a fryer oh oh it's a fuse no yeah it's a fuse it's not even a fryer probably for a fryer maybe i don't know, I don't know. um yeah, it, because hen- you used to work in the restaurant industry right yeah that's what we called them henny or well, that's what that's the, the brand penny. that made them the henny pennies wow well maybe this is our corporate sponsor because uh-huh. we do have um maybe some sponsorship in the food industry don't uh, we maybe well anyway um this this is a fuse and it's a 20 dollar fuse so not cheap but somebody bought nine of those right so, on there you go um this is interesting a chalk bag a prana color block chalk bag uh, ch- I assume a chalk bag is like when you're climbing or like doing gymnastics where you put your hands in the bag and you chalk your hands so you can grip the bar. Oh, I okay. Or yeah. like a pull-up bar, maybe. I was thinking it was something you took to a murder scene. All right. Um, yeah, that too. Yeah. So you can outline the body. Like the chalk line. <laughs> God. This was a $40 bag and it looks kind of hippie. You know, it's like prana is like the uh, Sanskrit word for like life force, right? The prana energy. <laughs> when you do breath work, it's pranayama. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Unless it's some kind of ritual to raise the dead. <laughs> I don't know what it's for, but that's the point of the after show. We speculate about that's that right. stuff. But that looks pretty cool. Um, solid bright metal copper polyhedron dice set. D20s. Ooh, D20s. Somebody got a bunch of D- D20s. And they're, um, they're like pink shiny metallic like this belongs in vegas nice this definitely belongs in vegas high and class D. you can't even buy them anymore because they're sold out Good. okay um i always keep d20 with me at all times <laughs> it's in my bag it's a, like i actually it's it's hilarious i i i have a first little first aid kit you've seen this stephanie yes and within that first aid kit i keep d20 dice you know because you might take half damage if uh-huh. I roll right. yeah and it always makes for a good joke when i pull it out so anyway go ahead <laughs> Um, somebody bought an item that I have purchased because it says in my history, Great Lakes Gelatin Collagen Hydrolysate Beef. It's basically beef gelatin or collagen that's been um, chopped up and hydrolyzed. And you can make a, a thick soup with it. You can make jello. You can make, um, you could put it in your, like hot liquids like tea or coffee. Oh, okay. And it's supposed to promote um, healthy joints and also like nails and hair 
because that's what your hair and nails are made out of is this gelatin collagen stuff. So this isn't something like you'd inject for wrinkles? No, you don't yeah. inject it. You just mainline it in your tea or coffee. Mainline. Actually, I'm drinking some tea right now that has this stuff in it. I put it in oh, no, sure. as like okay. a little protein supplement for my nails and hair. And my nails are like nails. They're strong. I'll say. My oh. nails are very strong and nice. And uh, my hair is very Especially long and nice. Especially when they dig in. And, uh, yeah, what's next? I don't dig my nails no, into no. you. What kind of freak do you think I am? That's oh, you're mean. A, you're a freak. I know, but I don't do mean things like no, that. You you're, not. you're not into pain. I'm not no, going to dig not. my nails into yeah. you. All right. Well. You're not into that. Nope. Um, anyway, <laughs> uh, we had a, a, a little lighting fixture, the Juno 5-inch white baffle, $9. All right. The RTIC 30-ounce tumbler. This is like a stainless steel 30-ounce tumbler. Keeps ice hot. Keeps, sorry, keeps ice cold. <laughs> keeps hot's hot. <laughs> Keeps ice hot. <laughs> yeah, because it had this label that said, like, keeps ice, keeps hot. And it confused me. Okay. I'm really not. I have a PhD, you know. <laughs> I love um, it. It, it, it's, it claims to be able to keep ice frozen for up to 24 hours. Wow. That's pretty good if that's true. Yeah. Um, no wonder it's like the number one bestseller in the department of uh, sports, fan, home, and kitchen. Department of Ice. Sports fan home and kitchen. I didn't know that was a <laughs> department. Division uh, of Labor. Yeah, I guess. Um, anyway, I don't know what RTIC is. Maybe that's the com- company that makes it, but it's the RTIC 30-ounce tumbler. Um, somebody bought the Passive Income book by Steve Pavlina on Audible. America. We, yay, that I narrated. Woohoo! Why is that America? I- <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean that. What does that have to do with America? I just think it's it's great. I think it's nice. That's all. Tesla coil lighters, USB rechargeable, windproof arc lighter. So this is one of those lighters that doesn't use butane or some other fuel. Hmm. Um, It is a Tesla coil lighter, and it makes like a, I don't know, an arc of electricity. And you can light your cigarette with it. Very interesting. Or you can light a fire with it. Cigarettes are like so out of vogue, aren't they? People yes. are either vaping or they're quitting. <laughs> That's right. We had the tides, po- the Tide Pods Spring Meadow High Efficiency Turbo Laundry Detergent Packs, 81 load tub. So these are like pods that you drop it. It's like a pack that mm-hmm. pre-measured detergent that you drop into your laundry and it does the job, I guess. Yeah. That's nice. I mean, that's pretty cheap too. It's sixteen ninety seven with a two dollar off coupon. Okay. So you got to clip the coupon. Don't forget to clip the coupon. This is your weekly reminder from Sex and Science Hour. But if you do, you can get eighty one loads for the pri- low low price of about seventeen bucks. It's a lot of loads. That's a lot of loads. High efficiency too. <laughs> the free market existentialist: capitalism without consumerism by William Irwin. I've never heard of this book. What is it again? Um, the free market existentialist capitalism without consumerism inclusive and engaging. The free market existentialist proposes a new philosophy that is a synthesis of existentialism, amoralism and libertarianism. And of course, the cover is black and gold argues that Sartre's existentialism fits better with capitalism than with Marxism serves as a rallying cry for a new alternative minimal state funded by an equal tax. Oh, um, sorry, I'm reacting. I'm judging it. Uh, <laughs> confronts the final, del- the quote, final delusion of metaphysical morality and proposes that we have nothing to fear from an amoral world. 
begins an essential conversation for 21st century students, scholars, and armchair philosophers alike with clear, accessible discussions about a range of topics across philosophy, including atheism, evolutionary theory, and ethics. Well, it sounds interesting. Yeah, that does sound interesting. I mean, kind of sounds like you might as well be a left libertarian, maybe, but, Mm -hmm. you know, just really get rid of that. Drop the word capitalism. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Like, just, just, it's all right. Once you let go, I mean... You don't like the word capitalism? I, I'm not saying that. I'm, yeah, it's useful in some contexts, but yeah, it's, it certainly gets mis. Uh, it, it certainly gets a bad rap. Some of it deserves, some not. I would say, you well, know. a lot of people seem to write apologetic books that are saying, "Okay, no, yeah, no, we can use this word," but then what they're really saying isn't remotely even like what a lot of capitalists. A lot of them are mean. just being edge lords when they say that. It's yeah. called, I learned a new word this week: edge lord. Uh-huh. You know what an edge lord is? No, it's someone who says. Um, conservative right-wing stuff because they think it's edgy and cool but they're really the irony is they're really not being very edgy because they're just basically being like a conservative yeah okay maybe i've heard this i learned a new word this week what thoughty what's a thoughty uh that hoe over there where's the t where that hoe over there is thought not thoughty that hoe over there over there but that spells thought, not right, thoughty. Right. Thoughty is just playing off of thought. Oh, <laughs> to like, like, like hot. Uh huh. But in hottie, oh, it's thought oh, and thoughty. God. Yeah. So that's that's a new one for me. You little, you're a thoughty on a world tour. Yeah, I don't recommend right? ever using that word. But you know, where did you learn that word? Oh, I don't know. I think I ended up on some some bullshit edge lord website that, <laughs> that, that that started going down. Or I know, I know what it was. I was watching a YouTube video. And like in the in the comments, which of course is a cesspool as usual. Yeah. The, the the people were saying, Oh, look at the couple a couple of thotties and I'm like, What the fuck is a thotty? And so then of course I go to the urban dictionary because I'm like an AI, I'm a human being and I can still look at the urban dictionary. And uh yeah, that's what I found out. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Well we both learned some we both expanded our vocabulary this week, didn't we, Brian? And our minds. And our minds. Uh somebody's making soap. Uh, probably, I'm guessing. Make they got sell soap. Red Crown High Test Lie for making award-winning handcrafted soaps. Two pounds. Nice. For fifteen ninety-five. That's pretty good. Yep. Nice. All I can think about is Brad Pitt kissing uh, Edward Norton's hand in Fight Club, where he gives him the, yeah. the lie. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. That's how I was quoting him. You know, I make and I sell soap. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Um, now, where was I? Scotsman prefer blondes i guess that's an audiobook that why do i know that i don't know i think i know that yeah well i don't know because i it's not coming up when i click on the link like audible books don't appear when i look them up on amazon.com okay but we could look it up real quick no well, maybe i don't somehow somehow i thought i knew that but anyway it's a book it muses of mayfair it's it looks like some kind of uh Oh, quasi-erotica thing yeah oh cool okay yeah, i'm already on the ball Jesus here of mayfair oh yeah wow that's a sexy book cover yeah she yeah. never wanted marriage when a family is forced to consider sorry <laughs> when a friend is forced to consider a marriage of convenience lady amelia staunton is determined to rescue her but her plans trap her in an illicit seduction and amelia must marry him herself that sounds pretty hot. I don't quite get it. There is this like this whole Highlander. Someone, and in fact, if a listener, if, if a Sex and Science Hour listener wants to email and tell me about this, I would love, and we'll read it on air. Um, I'll make sure of it. There is a, um, 
uh, like this whole thing with Highlander romance. And I hate it because whenever I'm on, say, a uh, like a, a library site, you know, like a torrent site, <clears throat> um, it, like th- it'll always come up as like Highlander. Now, the thing is, is like Highlander is something I search for all the time because I'm a huge oh, fan. Oh, like of Highlander, the, like the series. Like yeah, like the TV show. series uh-huh. and the movies and all that. I mean, I'm a <laughs> but huge you're fan. getting Scottish romance. And yeah, and it just keeps coming up. <laughs> Highlander romance. Highlander. I mean, it's like it's this huge deal. I mean, there's yeah. tons and tons of these books. Oh, you wouldn't believe the romance that people read. Yeah, the but, romance. Sometimes romance is used very. But loosely. it's a weird niche, you know. Yeah, it is weird. I agree, but it's, weirder than aliens, weirder than paranormal yeah, romance of guys like, who turn into bears and dragons. Yeah, I don't know, but it's not like you know. You type in like <laughs> like like Hebrew harem or something, nothing comes up. But like particularly Highlander romance, like it's it's a thing, and I just I want to understand it, and I don't. All right, so. What you're saying is you're looking for Hebrew harem, but you keep coming up with Highlander and you really no. Love- I mean, that's just what I think in my own mind. <laughs> uh, wired to eat, turn off cravings, rewire your appetite for weight loss and determine the foods that work for you by Rob Wolf. New book coming out uh, just came out a couple days ago. Wow. Look, okay. This person must have literally bought it the day it came out. March 21st, 2017. Um, and Rob Wolf is cool. You know, he's one of the original paleo people. Yep. The surprising truth is that we are genetically wired to eat more and move less. The exact opposite of the advice we're often given. Now there's a more customized weight loss solution that works with your body. A solution not based on arbitrary restriction of foods, but on what works for you. Developed by former research biochemist, health expert, and best-selling author Rob Wolf, Wired to Eat offers an eating program based on groundbreaking research that will rewire your appetite for weight loss and help you finally determine the optimal foods for your diet and metabolism. Nice. That's cool. I would like to read that. And there's also an audiobook. God damn it. I would love to do that audiobook. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Right on. Well, somebody got a USB charging cable again. Um, a Oh, actually, it's like an iPad iPad charging cable, three-piece. One of the knockoff ones. Yeah. Geek Dad, awesomely geeky projects and activities for dads and kids to share by Ken Denmead. Do it. That's cute. I like that. Yeah. All right, real quick. I'm going to be very fast. Uh Uh-huh. I want to get this out there. So there was that on-air, remember that doorknob hanger thing? Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, I think you even ordered one. I put it in my cart. You yeah. put it in your cart. Yeah. I ordered it So yet. found out who did this, and it, the guy is actually making a podcast. Oh, really? kind of remaking a podcast. Oh, cool. And so I told him, very kind. He's also, he's a patron of mine. So I was like, all right, whatever. Uh, forgotten.tv. And that's that's the podcast. Sweet. It's Forgotten TV. It's all about like 80s and like 70s oh. and 80s TV shows. And oh. I, I think that's so cool. So <laughs> anyway, so somebody was really making a podcast. And I just think that's that's phenomenal. So I wanted to give it a shout out. The website is Forgotten.tv. Oh, my god! I gosh. normally don't do that, but I, you know. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah, oh, I, love I love the that. content. And I just I was like, yeah, hell yeah, I'll mention it. Yeah, that's super cool. <laughs> I'll have to check that out. So anyway, um, I was wondering about some of the books in this geek or some of the projects in this geek dad book. Yeah, yeah. Um, Fly a nighttime kite, a blade with lights launch a video camera with balloons construct quote the best slip and slide ever <laughs> a guaranteed thrill ride i would like to try that yeah okay. i bet we could make it an adult activity i was gonna say that's yeah all right <laughs> build a working lamp with lego bricks and cds create a customized comic strip or your own board game make geeky crafts like cyborg jack-o'-lanterns or ethernet cufflinks that's cool <laughs> all right finally we had louisville vegan jerky what the fuck is that made out of <laughs> smoked pepper flavor vegan jerky 
Lactose free milk. What the fuck is in that carton? Oh my goodness. Soy protein. That's what All it's right. made out of. And speaking of vegan stuff, we also had Sam's natural deodorant, patchouli. Ooh. Of course, it's patchouli. You know what that's for? Three ounce. Vegan and cruelty free. Have a good it's time. It's like a spray on, looks like a spray on deodorant. Oh no, maybe it's like wipe on. I don't know. But it's patchouli. So. All right. There you go. Um, the Iliad of Homer. And the Odyssey of Homer ah, are two, of my two final products that's going to do it for us this week. So thanks so much for doing your shopping on stuff.sexandsciencehour.com. We really appreciate it. And we'll see you next week. We'll be back on Friday. Woo. Until then, sexandsciencehour.com. Follow us on Twitter at sexsciencehour and on Instagram, too, and on SoundCloud. Hey, tell a friend. Tell two friends. We'll be back at you next week. Thanks for tuning in. It's been Sex and Science Hour. Go, go, Power Rangers. Go, go, Power Rangers. <laughs> <laughs>